0: Alhamdulillah, Rabbil alameen, wa, wa sallam, Muhammad, wa ala This is the Tafsir class, fifth session. Wrapping up Surah al So we said earlier that Firaun, to whom Musa was sent, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed Musa to be soft with him. Because Firaun, who was a tyrannical figure, had every reason to refuse this message and not to listen to it. And the way to approach people who are rough is to treat their roughness with a bit of softness. So after telling us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given Fir'aun opportunities, uh, after giving him opportunities and him refusing to listen, refusing to return, refusing to repent, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished him severely. So now, the Qur'an wraps up this scenario by saying to people, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ يَتَذَكَّرُ الْإِنسَانُ وَبُرِّزَتِ الْجَحِيمُ لِمَنْ الطامة, in Arabic means to overwhelm someone. Tamma is ta' and me. Mean. means to overwhelm. Autumn are the mountains, big mountains. They are called أُطْم or أَطَام because they overwhelm the size of human beings. When you stand next to the mountain you realize how small you are. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when this overwhelming event arrives it is only then that people will remember what they have done. As much as at the beginning of the surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that these people will remember that they were in denial of the arrival of this day and therefore they will be in complete shock when it attacks them when it comes upon them. On that day people will remember. They will either, either be losers who realize that they built on the bridge that is called dunya and they didn't prepare for this day. And these, are, these will be the losers. And there will be good workers who competed. As at the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights that the universe is in competition. The stars are in competition, the angels are in competition, the horses are in competition. Everything is in motion in this universe to fulfill the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these individuals who compete with the universe, move, understand that they can't build and they can't settle and they can't live on a bridge, they will realize the value of their work. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in another surah that on the day of Qiyamah, the people of Jannah We'll say alhamdulillah, We praise Allah who has taken all the uh, that exhaustion from us. Like they were exhausted in this life. They all the, the exhaustion and all the, the trouble and sadness has been taken away. They say that in a hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that One of the people of Paradise will be brought and he was suffering throughout his life. He was so suffering. And then he will be asked, have you ever tasted any tiredness? He'll say, no. He forgets. And then one of the people of hell will be brought, and he will be asked, have you ever tasted any good time? he said, no. So what is happening here? People's memory will be living that moment, and all the tiredness, we mentioned the story, Of one of the Salihin, I think it was um, Muhammad, can't remember who. He said he was craving for meat and he used to give patience to himself. He used to kind of tell himself, Tonight we will eat, tomorrow, in a few days, until he passed away without having meat. Then someone saw him in a dream. He said, how did you find your life after death? <coughs> he said, Allah brought meat to me and He said, You can eat. <laughs> you haven't had meat for 40, 50 years, you can eat now. Kul <laughs> mashit. He used to say to himself, to his nafs, like a bit, a little bit of patience and you will have what you want. A little bit of patience and you will have what you want. So it is, it is, it all comes from understanding the value of this life and that the nature of this life. It is a life of lack of settlement. It is that's the reality. It's a life of lack of settlement. We're all travellers, but some people are deceived into believing that you are not a traveller. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala brings this image so that we know what what is the value of this life and what are we supposed to be doing here. Is it because we- one day there is like 1000 days of our current day so that like if they spend one day in a fire it will be way more than the all it is life. not so it's not just like infinity one to infinity it, it is, is not just that Yatara, it's not just that even in our life when you suffer for something someone is suffering to bring his wife from abroad into this country once she arrives he will forget all the the pain <laughs> all the pain you work to get a specific job and it's so tiring. Once you get it, khalas. And you know what happens? After some time, we start not appreciating what we had. You have a house. Then you never appreciate when you didn't have it. You have health. You never appreciate when you didn't have it. You have family and you're settled. You never appreciate when you were unsettled in your life. And so on and so forth. You, you have freedom. You don't appreciate when you were chained. You have ilm, you don't appreciate it when you had jahl, like when you were ignorant. Someone who is in doubt about his ibadah is in pain. He's tortured by, is my ibadah accepted? Is my ibadah Sometimes I even uh, share this with some people. I say, if Allah enables you to read Quran, I have the ability to read Quran, you should appreciate it. There are people whose wish is to read Fatiha. Properly. Or to to be able to open the Mus'haf and read it. People who have reached the age of retirement, they retired and they can't read the Quran. They have too much time, but they don't have the ability to recite the Quran. The fact that you're able to pick up the Mus'haf and sit and recite the Quran, that's a great ni'mah. So, the final hint here is again, you know, wants to save us from a distraction. That distraction is... When big, with big events, people start asking about the timing of that big event. When we talk about the end of times, for example, people start asking about who is the Dajjal? Or where is he now? When is uh, Imam al Mahdi coming out? When is this happening? When is this happening? Islam is not a religion that wants us to be busy with the events because the events themselves are part of the Qadr of Allah that will occur. Your job is to be busy preparing yourself for that event. When you book a flight to travel abroad, you won't be busy with the time of the flight. You would be busy preparing your bag, making sure that you are in the airport on time, making sure that you have enough time to board your flight, making sure that you've got enough clothes that will cover you while you are in in your journey. But imagine if you keep asking, oh, when is your flight? When is my flight? When is my flight? When is my flight? And you don't prepare for anything then the flight will come upon you and you haven't moved from your position. So people, that, and, and, and this is also again, you know, from the signs of a practicing, uh, procrastinating soul. People of Jahiliyyah were asking the Prophet Mata matas sa'a? When is the day of judgment? Yasalunaka sa'a? When? When will it arrive? You know, the word sa'a, hour, is used in a, a hadith with various meanings. One of its meanings is the day of judgment, and one of its meanings is death. Death. The hadith, the Prophet is, is narrated from the Prophet it's in Bukhari that a group of Bedouins came to the Prophet and they had a child with them. They said, the Messenger of Allah, when is the sa'a? So he sallallahu understood that they don't they're not talking about the day of judgment. So he said, In hāda, like in in hāda. if this child lives, ساعتكم, your sa'a will come. <coughs> Meaning if this child lives further, like he, he lives his normal life, the last of you would have died before he before he dies. So sa'a as well means the time of death of a certain individual. That's why you say, Mata sa'ati? when is my hour? Meaning, when is my time? When is my departure? But as-sa'a, as saa as as it refers to the day of judgment. But in some of the hadith of the Prophet subhanAllah, this is an example of how people who just read uh, books like Al-Bukhari and, and big books of hadith without mastering the Arabic language, they might fall into traps. There was this guy, he's a kind of a He's a scientist from uh, Palestine. He lives in Austria. And uh, he's a good reader. He reads a lot, immensely. You know, he's all over the place. When, when you listen to him, a lot of lay people will be misled. He speaks Arabic, which is good, only. So that he doesn't mislead more, th- more than uh, <laughs> more people. So this guy... He's a very avid reader, like you wouldn't believe yourself. But because he doesn't have a teacher who guides him what to read and when to read and how to read it, he's misleading people. So he ended up denying things in Bukhari, denying things in Muslim, and he would say to masses, to people, you know, if I find a narration in Bukhari and it goes against the Quran, I will throw it in the bin, like that. And then one of the narrations that he quoted was this hadith, he said, how come the Prophet ﷺ say to this, this group of people that the sa'a, the, the hour, will happen before this child reaches an old age? Oh, can you believe that the Prophet ﷺ says such a thing like that? What he's talking about. The day of judgment. Like this guy doesn't understand. If he continues reading in Bukhari and other books of hadith, he will see another narration of the same hadith that says, if this boy lives further your hour will, 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 will come upon you meaning your death will come upon you but sometimes people because they don't study Arabic properly he, he's confused and it might lead them to deny things that are quite dangerous and this is one of the, 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 the mistakes, the other mistake is the aql the mind, people's mind and sometimes they trust their mind and they deny the texts as well so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says That the job of the Prophet Is not to tell them the timing of the hour Is not to tell them the day of judgment When is it going to happen But to tell them how to prepare for it Surah Abasa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a big lesson In da'wah in this surah Surah Abasa starts by telling us The story of the Prophet Sallallahu alaihi With a man called Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum was a blind Sahabi. And he was so keen to learn about Islam. He came to the Prophet ﷺ at the time when the Prophet ﷺ was speaking to the leaders of Quraysh. Teaching them about Islam, inviting them to Islam. And there is always a benefit and there is always uh, trouble in introducing Islam to celebrities and to leaders. It is difficult to talk to them they have many reasons to refuse messages because they don't want to be followers. They are already leaders. And they also sometimes kind of deluded by their own position, by their own belongings, by the people's uh, liking of them. So the Prophet ﷺ did not let their status stop him from talking to them. He was always talking to the leaders of Quraysh being keen on guiding them and bringing them close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abdullah ibn umm Maktoub came at this moment to the prophet sallallahu wa sallam, and the prophet sallallahu alaihi saw that the priority at that time would have been talking to these leaders and focusing with them so the surah surah abasa came down not to blame the prophet sallallahu wa sallam, as some people might think but to set an example for us that we should not let the da'wah of people who are leading in the society, distract us from giving da'wah to people who are possibly less fortunate or uh, who are lower than them. Since the Prophet is an example for us, he's a good example, so we would have followed him in giving more da'wah to leading figures in the society. And since giving da'wah to these leading figures is quite a sweet thing, so the Prophet being a Prophet being a recipient of revelation, he was safe from seeking dunya in doing that to these people but we might not be immune from that we as humans, we might not be immune from that, so in order to protect us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said so this these ayat is what we call in Arabic نَسْخ, abrogation it came to abrogate a prophetic behavior in a specific situation, cancel it that you can't follow this anymore Prophet ﷺ was commanded to give time to these people and to let Abdullah ibn Umm Makdum wait and since we might follow him in doing the same thing the Qur'an comes down and says no, you can't follow him in doing this thing anymore Abasa, why is that? because for him, since he is a prophet he is protected from any dunya inclinations but for us, it might not be the case so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says Abasa wa tawalla al-a'ma the message here yes it's addressed to the Prophet but it's meant for us it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says don't let people's status stop you from doing da'wah to them but don't let that distract you from giving priority to others overcome the personality of the invitee we mentioned this morning about Dumad al-Azdi and how he came as a healer to the Prophet and he went away as healed and we also talk about Walid ibn al who was sent by Quraysh to try to dissuade the Prophet sallallahu from continuing his message. And the Prophet sallallahu did not stop from offering Islam to Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, he recited the Qur'an to Al-Walid ibn al It's an opportunity. If sometimes a person who's coming to you with a message, if you are put off by that and you don't take that opportunity, you might lose forever. The Prophet with any individual who came with any uh, uh, intention to the Prophet sallam, the Prophet always had the message offered to him. He wouldn't let him go without making him hear the words of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And the fact that the poor were the leaders in the councils of the Prophet ﷺ, both in wartime and in peacetime. That itself proves that the Prophet ﷺ did not have an inclination towards the rich and leaving by leaving the poor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And after that, since this surah is the surah of the, of the message, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta-A'la talks about the nature of the message. What's the nature of this message that the Prophet ﷺ was introducing to Quraysh leaders and others? The Quran says This Quran is a lesson. For who? For which those of you who wish to be taught uh, to, wish to be taught should learn. And in the Quran says مكرمة, مطهرة, This message is a pure message. It is written on honored, exalted pure pages by the hands of noble, virtuous scribes. Referring to angels. And you know, again, you know, this is a, a metaphorical thing, because how would the angels write? Because the Quran says here, written on honored, exalted pages. Which pages? What pages is the Quran talking about? No pages that are made of paper, no pages that are made of uh, parchments or leather. These must be pages that are of different nature. And the writing, what was this writing? In which direction? With what? And how? So all of this, again, it is something that belongs to the unseen, that we cannot decide the reality of. The Qur'an is is a reminder, is a lesson. The one who wants to learn it, the one who wishes to be taught, should learn. It's a pure message that has been brought by a pure messenger and that leads to freedom from dunya and any interest in dunya. It's a clear message. So there, there is no barrier between this clear text and this clear message and people. There is no reason for them to refuse it. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here, that the Prophet ﷺ spent time with Quraysh trying to bring them close to Allah. They had no reason to, to, to turn away because the message was so clear. So if the message is so clear, why is human beings so rejecting it? Why, uh, why is it that there are so many people who don't accept the Qur'an, rather attack it? The Qur'an also gives us the reason for that. So it says, قُتِلَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا أَكْفَرَ Man is ungrateful. And we will see this uh, word, ungrateful, repeated repeatedly across the Jews from Surah Amma onwards. The, that man is ungrateful. And this is the orig- original sin of man. Like if we are allowed to say that it's an original sin of man, meaning this is the, the biggest issue of man that's stopping him from acknowledging the favors of Allah. Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. It is not his. Uh, the, 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 the fact that he is uh, weak, it is the fact that he is in denial. He is kafur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna al insana la valumun kafar. Kafar in Arabic, kafara means to cover something. Uh, means to cover something. So man covers his weakness to show that he is strong. They relate that Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, the Sahabi, Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, radiallahu ta'ala, he was a man of strength. He was very strong, warrior. So when he was on his deathbed, a lot of people whom he disliked throughout his life, his enemies. You know, when you are on your deathbed, sometimes people visit out of sympathy and people visit just to see you weak. So he was on his deathbed and he knew who is his enemy and who is his friend. So when people would come, he would sit, try to like bring himself up and sit. And he said, dress me in the best of my clothes. He's ill. You know, dress me in the best of my clocks and sit like that. But one time, while he th- he's trying to, to kind of show his strength, he failed. His hands couldn't carry him. So he recited these two lines of uh, a jahili poet. He says, my pre- pre- like pretending that I'm strong for those who are coming to look at me. Showing them that uh, the events of life cannot beat me, the like difficulties of life cannot overcome me. وإذا المنيّة أنشبت أضفارها. and when death, he makes death similar to a prey bird. He says, when when the claws of death are in, all over your body, <laughs> any amulet will not help you. <laughs> like no medicine can help you when death is. Is there? Well, that is upon you, nothing can help. You can try to be strong, but you cannot be strong. The reality is you cannot be strong. Your arms can fail you, your legs can fail you, your mind can fail you. Nothing can help. So that shows that man wants to look strong when he's weak. Man wants to look smart while he is idiot or stupid. Man wants to look that he is rich, and he's not. Man wants to look knowledgeable, while he's ignorant. That's a reality. They say if there is nothing bad in ignorance, except that those who are ignorant they try to dis- like kind of, like distance themselves from it, and claim join the the, the 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 caravans of of knowledgeable people and pretend that they are knowledgeable. That's enough. That an ignorant person will not love to be called ignorant. So, the answer to the question is it is because of man's ungratefulness, his, his rejection. And proving the ungratefulness of man, the following ayat, the following few ayat show the ungratefulness of man. One, that's the quickest and the simplest way of proving to man that he is ungrateful. Look at your creation. Where did you come from? The first thing that you look at. Before you reflect on the universe, is you. The Quran says so many times, can't you just look at yourself? Who is running you? Like how do you 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 don't run your you don't run your own tummy, you don't run your own system. Your system just works by itself. Who has given this system these commands? Why is this system never failing? You don't have to do any maintenance for it. Like woe to man. How ungrateful he is. من أي شيء خلقه. What did God create him from? He's created from a droplet. That droplet could have gone anywhere. Could have fallen anywhere. And could have... If it falls anywhere else outside his mother's womb, he wouldn't have come to be. He wouldn't have been created. من أي شيء خلقه. من نطفة خلقه. Then فقدر. Imagine if that little uh, sperm from which we're created, we just developed in that shape with tails and a head. Isn't that what, what we're created from? Something with a tail and a head. Imagine if we, if we develop in this form. Uh, if we develop in this form, we became like, like big uh, forms, of the, like fish or something, a tail proportionism Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has proportioned him he has structured him in such a way that he's got ears and eyes and he's got four rooms in his heart two on top and two beneath and the flow of blood between them and then a specific amount of air goes into the lungs and food goes in a different direction if If these traffic lights just got mixed, you can die. This proportion that man has in his day, in in, inside him, and then, then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made his way out of his mother's womb. So easy, he comes out. He doesn't come out from the back of his mother. He doesn't come out from the mouth of his mother. He comes out from a place that does not have bones it's elastic that it can it's flexible enough to let him out and then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala makes his development run in such a way that his head moves towards the opening, towards the end of the pregnancy so that when he comes, he comes with ease and if his head is, a, is in a different direction, the doctors will panic, no let's actually move him let's shift him and then the, the amount of blood that goes into his tummy and that feeds him while he is in his mother's womb is, is it's 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 accurate and it's proportionate, and as soon as he comes out, he learns how to find his way for food. So he moves completely from a food habit through his navel to a food habit through his mouth, and then that the the, the the kind of the slow independence from mother's milk that synchronizes with the growth of teeth. Uh, otherwise, it would have become bad for the mother. So sabila is sarah. That's the. He made his way easy, not only out of his mother's womb, but as how to see the light after he comes out of his mother's womb, complete darkness for nine months. He would have lost his eyesight. I and mean, how to pick the sounds and how, how, how his faculties develop when he's a child and then later on and on and on and on. How he moves from being a person who is completely irresponsive to laughter, or to talking, or to anything, and he develops attention. A child who is not attentive to anything, and then he becomes attentive to his parents. How does he become able to distinguish the familiar faces and the unfamiliar faces? That's right. Face recognition. (laughs) You know, human beings have been living, like, have been working hard to create what we call face recognizing machines, isn't it? Face recognition machines. And then babies have this face recognition. It's something, it's something amazing. How do you communicate with your son or with your daughter when they're babies without having to tell them who you are? They know. <laughs> and as soon as they, they start crying and then they look at you and they calm down. That's something that human beings nowadays are trying to create with machines and it's very difficult. That's ungratefulness. Made his way easy. Made his way easy to learn. How do children pick up language? or more than a language, more than one language when three or four languages are spoken at home and they can pick up all of this and be able to communicate with, 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 with mother who speaks a language and a father who speaks a different language and possibly the in-laws and possibly this family and possibly that family how, how do they pick up all of this? as-sabila <laughs> yasara the, the, the way of learning uh, then fa <laughs> and here, here is like the Quran in this surah, moves from creation to death. And when he dies, he's not treated like anything else that is thrown in anywhere that can be burned or can be chucked in the, in, in the rubble. No, he has to be buried and they know his place. They know where he is buried. Who knows that the places where animals are buried? No one. The whales that die in the sea when they come out that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made the the the, the 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 like the dead, the dead body of a human being, pure. Yes, it is pure. That's why Ibn Raslan obviously, it's pure meaning. It's not, it's not impure. Wa maitatun maal وَالصُوفِي لَا مَأْكُولَةٌ وَلَا الْبَشَرِ The maita with its bones and hair and wool, not the edible animals, <laughs> لا وَلَا الْبَشَرِ Not, the, the, not the, uh, the human beings. When the human being dies, his body is pure. Even though it's pure, you cannot eat it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the protection that even after uh, people have uh, died. Subhanallah. I was reading a book called Al-Bukhala The Maizani by uh, Abu Amr al-Jahir and he speaks about, he's a, a, a man of letters, died 265 Hijri. So he writes about Arabs before Islam and he says that one of the things that we read and we kind of don't appreciate, is when we say that an Arab has taken off his turban and tied it around his tummy. You know, when they become very hungry, they put a, like a stone or something and they tie it around their tummy. See that, like to give themselves a feeling of a heavy stomach. So then he puts a stone and he ties it like that. So we read that and we just like say, oh, yeah, okay. He says, people don't know how tough was that for an Arab. Why? This is because Arabs never ever took off their turbans. The turbans for Arabs were so vital. They lived in a hot desert, yet they would what, tie a turban. Some of them even would tie two turbans on top of each other and wool And for someone who wears turban all his life, 20, pretty much 24 hours a day in such a, a hot weather, taking off the turban almost leaves your head naked and causes you so much headache. Try that, if you wear a turban continuously and then you take it off, it causes you headache because you feel like it. as if your head is naked. He is for an Arab to take off his turban and tie it around his stomach. It's a torture for him because he's leaving the center of his thinking uncovered <coughs> because he's driven by this, by, 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 by starvation. And then he mentions some stories of one or two tribes in Arabia that ended up being cannibals. Yes, being cannibals. Some of them at certain times of payment and lack of food, they ended up being cannibals. And like they, they, they killed one of them and they ate him. So he said, because Arabs, that was not a known thing in Arabia, Arabs took that as a shame. So all over Arabia they were writing poetry about these guys and saying you are the guys who ate one of them, and they even wrote up, and all Arabs boycotted this tribe. They wouldn't marry from them, and they would say, whenever someone wants to marry, they say, "Oh, we are not, we don't trust these women. They might grill us on the <laughs> on the wedding night and eat us." <laughs> so to write something like that. So, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has honored a human being even after his death that you have to be to bury a human being you have to offer a janazah on a human being if he's a believer you have to offer a janazah you have to wrap his body you cannot leave him with his <laughs>